listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Keelguard Studios. Here we are, another episode of Bass Edge Radio. Not only just another episode, Aaron, but another year, man. Excited for 2020. Happy New Year to Bass Edge Nation. Man, just lots of great things going on. Busy times, lots of fun, lots of bass fishing. It might be January, but there's still fishing to be done. Yes, no doubt. And although we are in a new episode, new year, one thing that has remained constant is the uh, partnership with our good friends at MegaWare Keelguard. Certainly heard us speak about the Flex Step, the Skeg Guard, the first do-it-yourself keel protector, the Scuff Buster. Be sure to visit them at keelguard.com to check out all of the products, of which, Kurt, I'm sure a little bit too large for stocking stuffers, but I'm sure you had a couple of those under your tree. And speaking of Christmas, before we just go uh, right off into the new year, you know, Diana and and the girls and I, we've kind of stayed around local for the Christmas day, but then uh, wound up in San Diego doing a little vacation, trying to get out of the frozen tundra for a few days. How about yourself? Did you stay local or uh, do a little traveling? little bit of both, Aaron. I'm just the opposite on you. I went over to uh, Virginia just before Christmas, kind of spent that time with uh, my family. It's always good to get together with them, you know, over the holidays. Obviously, I moved here uh, to Del Rio, Texas from Virginia back in 2008. And I see my family all the time, you know, a couple times throughout the year anyway, but typically more in the fishing season, you know, when I'm traveling in the summertime. It's always great to see them over the holidays, man. Just a little bit more relaxing, a little bit more kickback and just able to kind of do a little bit more veg, you know, just kind of chill aspect. So it's been a great holiday, man. I really enjoyed it. Then, of course, jumping back in right to it in here in Del Rio. Fishing's good, dude. Fishing's yeah, and then, but, you know, you go yeah. from that rest and relaxation. I know that uh, MegaWare Keelguard, they've been all over the world at these shows, and I know you're kind of getting into that now with on the national basis with, you know, sports yeah. shows, boat shows, tackle shows, those types of things. Yeah, I love watching those, the Mega where Tori and Ryan, dude, going global with it out in Amsterdam. I hope they uh, had some fun out there, but not, not too much fun. There's a lot of bikes. Some... <laughs> I know that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But uh, yeah, man, I've been doing the show circuit too. Been traveling uh, earlier in December. I have to go to Rhode Island, Connecticut. Did some saltwater fishing. Dude, that was a freaking blast. Really enjoyed that. It was like 20 miles offshore. It was cold as all. Taking and taking out. off a little bit from our oh. last episode with Scott Martin <laughs> getting into this to the yeah. saltwater scene. You know, I didn't even think. Maybe that's what channeled that whole deal, right? But yeah, so it was a lot of fun throwing some uh, Hayabusa stuff. It's, of course, why I'm doing a lot of the show circuit. I want to uh, encourage everybody, though. Man, as I've been doing these shows, I love going to these shows, man. I mean, sure, you can find all the stuff on the internet and be behind a desk in the house or on your iPhone, but there's nothing like being there, man. Talking with the fellas, you know, meeting new people, spending time and, you know, just having a good time with friends and uh, just seeing some stuff, getting to know new things, talking about industry changes and things that continually to evolve in, in the bass fishing community. Dude, it's a lot of fun. So I encourage just 
Google it up, man. There's lots of shows in all kinds of areas. Might be, you know, 45 minutes, hour, maybe a two-hour drive from your house. But I encourage you to go out to uh, these shows, take advantage of the things that people are putting together because, dude, it's just a freaking good time. If you love bass fishing, you're going to love going to a show. Yeah, speaking of bass fishing, we have got a great show full of information today. Yeah, we do. And to start off the information, we're going to bring you on with a little tackle tip from protecttheharvest.com. Y'all stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio getting after it. This episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip with Scott Martin. So guys, here's the best tip for you. How to turn a Texas rig into a Carolina rig in just a matter of a few seconds and adjust the weight accordingly. So what I do a lot of times when I'm trying to figure out whether I should be throwing a Texas rig or a Carolina rig, I'll rig up a simple rig with two bobber stops above my weight, two to three bobber stops below my weight, and then I can pull those bobber stops up my line a foot or two to make a Carolina rig or pull my bobber stops all the way down and snug them up to my creature bait and make a standard Texas rig or flipping or pitching rig. So easily throughout the day, I can flip and pitch or slide it up the line with those bobber stops. It holds that weight in place and actually fish a Carolina rig or a light mojo rig. It's a great way to figure out what you should be doing, and it's a great way to change on the fly. This episode's ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with Scott Martin. Thanks, Scott. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine Products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and Marine Products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Aaron, as always, you know, I'm catching up with the fishing community, and uh, we didn't talk about it much last episode. We didn't talk about it at all last episode, but, man, I was looking at the standings, saw you had, honestly, a respectable finish, a 19th place finish at your first Web Outdoors event. I saw my buddy, shout out Dave Mansu out there fishing the tournament, and uh, I saw you took him. He finished like 20-something, so uh, I was <laughs> I was trying to see. But then, dude, I'm watching the social stuff and going back through some old things. Looked like you had some challenges, my man. Well, had some challenges, but there was also some upside in that as well. Uh, had a little bit of a mechanical issue. You know, Kurt, what's weird is, and, and we talk a lot about Jay McNamara and, you know, kind of the psychology of the exceptional fishing and the mental game of this, but uh, interestingly enough, had a decent practice. The bite was really, really tough, as can be witnessed by the standings. But uh, I felt really good going into the tournament and felt like I could catch about 10 pounds a day. Nothing earth shattering, certainly for Lake of the Ozarks, but I got derailed a little bit on my first stop, ran about 28 miles away from takeoff. 
arrived there, fished that for a few minutes because I hit a fog bank. So I got out of my rotation a little bit, but that's what we do as we adjust. But the only problem is uh, set back down behind the uh, driver's seat and uh, motor fired up and that, but had some mechanical issues on getting it to go in gear. So essentially what I did from there is uh, put the trolling motor down, Kurt, and fished about eight and a half miles of shoreline back to the closest <laughs> boat ramp. And fortunately, I have some good friends that uh, brought my truck and trailer around back to me uh, about 5.30, so I got to set out a few hours on the water. It was a nice day, and you know, I got to fish a lot of shoreline that I would not have ordinarily fished. I did catch a lot of bass, but couldn't get the keepers put in there. But, um, you know, that was just one of those things where the bite was really, really specific. So unless I can run the water that I needed to, it was kind of just uh, insane, yeah, I guess. The, the key deal, you stayed in it. The second day went out and had a good bag, a bag that if you caught it two days in a row would have propelled you into the top five. So you were on the right deal and got it fixed quick. Nothing major went wrong with your equipment there. You know, little hiccups happened as part of the deal. So you were back up and running and went out and made the best of it. So right there there's always you know you got what four events left i love these tournament series that start in the fall going back kind of old school i dig that man i do too you know it's a busy time of years we talked about a couple episodes ago but man it does put some added pressure on you when you know that it's the first event you lose the first day of the first event so you know trying not to uh go reeling off in the mental warfare space <laughs> you know i just stuck with a a jerk bait is what i was throwing i was actually throwing a stick one of our previous episodes right yeah mcclellan McClellan, yeah yeah through uh his signature series bait in the old glory color was ripping it uh as fast as i could go the water temperature was still in the 50s which is unusually warm for this time of year but was yeah that warm now (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's lucky if it's not hard right now but uh that just worked well i was again just keying on specific rock and and specific to points and docks but the guy that won it mr dick herber i mean just smashed them by eight pounds won the event so fun times though fun times well hey look it's gonna be fun to continue watching your progression through the remaining part of the year once it gets back into gear in march i think is your next event and uh, bull shoals heavy on the schedule for the uh web outdoor series but it's gonna be fun to watch you aaron and see how it all plays out another thing that's been coming out you know the tours announcing all the anglers and who's fishing where i'm happy to be fishing with the flw pro circuit next year a lot of the flw tour guys have uh, jumped on to the elite series qualified last year through the open they're gonna go out there and tear them up i gotta tell you you know a lot of people want to talk about the flw in the years past and that you know i don't know they just don't give them what i think is the respect of some of the skill levels some of these guys you're gonna see buddy gross austin felix uh wes logan brian schmidt you're gonna see these guys go in the elite series and light it up like we did this year with scott canterbury winning angler of the year man these anglers are freaking top notch so they also announced the bbt tour which you saw a move with swindle and pollinick moving to bass so uh you'll see them get some more media exposure i don't guess i happen to there. see i don't guess i happen to see that in the social media space no, no. it was all over yeah it was all over what was been a little bit more quiet is that thrift and dudley moving into the bass pro tour let me tell you swindle pollinic great anglers let me tell you thrift dudley ridiculous anglers as well man so you know bbt you know moving around a little bit in their field but just as strong as ever in the elite series that's going to be fun to watch 
pro circuit, man. I'm fired up. Got some awesome anglers and new up and comers in that series. So, dude, you know, it's going to be fun to watch all the big money tournaments coming on in 2020. And uh, it's not going to take long before it's here because uh, kicking off late January, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah. we got a guy. We got a guy, Aaron. Not a just legend, a guy, a legend, a legend kind of guy, West Coast side and uh, moved to the east side. We're going to talk to him about all kinds of things that he's been doing, what's going on, how to attack some winter fish in here. We're going to have a Lucas angler in the Lucas spotlight. Dude, how cool is that? Stay tuned. Bass Edge Radio coming home. I am BASS Elite Series Pro Chad Pipkin. This is Bass Master Classic Champion Casey Ashman. I am Marcus Sakura, FLW All American Champion. This is FLW Tour Champion JT Kenny. And be sure to stay tuned right here to Bass Edge Radio. know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat megaware keel guard grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology megaware keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Bass Edge Radio's got a West Side legend on the hook for today's episode. Legend has won over 80 boats, I've heard. That's what the legend has it. It wasn't until just a couple years ago he moved east to adjust to the dominance of the scheduling of the national tours in the southeast fisheries. But looking forward to chatting with MLF Bass Pro Tour angler John Murray. Thanks for being with us today, John. Well, thanks, guys, for having me. Pretty excited. Well, John, sorry it took so long, but I would like to first tackle some of the unknown about traveling to the east you know if you're a west coast angler fishing the national tours what does that logistically look like i guess for those anglers working on a professional bass fishing career other than a lot of miles yeah i literally did it for 25 years and the first thing is the first few years is awesome i mean you can just see sites you've never seen go by lakes you've heard about you can just it's just a great lifestyle but after about the 8th 10th 12th year Pretty soon, you know, every inch of the highway across from Arizona or California to the East Coast. And, and man, it gets drudgery. And, and it becomes two and three days of life you'll never get back. And once I had a, a family, once I had my son was born, man, I was like, you know, those four days driving would just a lot better be home with him. That's where I changed and I moved east. But the guys that travel right now, it's really a one-time trip. Most of these guys are doing. They're coming out at the beginning of the year and then they're staging their boats and trucks and flying home. I know Skeet is my roommate. He's been for 20 years. Brent Ayler rooms with us. They do the same thing. They just one big trip, one big path, and then they drive home at the end of the year or even Skeet has a driver do it. So, I mean, you know, some of them do a little better than others. But uh, really, it's just the amount of hours on the road that, you know, just get too long as you get older. And I think you know, the young guys, Josh Bertrand, he does it a lot. He drives back and forth all the time. 
but uh, I never had that much energy to do it. I think really the biggest key is just uh, your stage in life. You know, when you want to be home with your family, yeah, you, it's worth it to get a driver or just make those flights all the time home. Yeah, this is funny. As, as you're talking about this, I remember many moons ago, we were in an Elite Series meeting and we were talking about sponsorships. I think it was like, a, you know, we went to one of these little sponsor convention deals or something and, and they were talking about impressions with your vehicle wrap and boat wrap. And uh, I remember you mentioning, you were like, well, I should have the biggest sponsor there is because I drive 10 times more miles than anybody. And I thought, you know, that's true. That, that <laughs> so were you ever able to parlay all of that travel and driving that you did earlier in your career to uh, some grandiose sponsorships because of the additional oppression value you could provide? Unfortunately not. You know, Skeet's <laughs> the marketing guru. He's the one that crunches all those numbers. I never really cared. I just fish. You know, I, right. I grew up fishing tournaments for a living. Sponsors were never a big part of my beginning of fishing. So, you know, it took till you know, probably eight, 10 years ago when we started the Elite Series, when the entry fees got so high, the right. sponsors had to become the major part of your income. So, yeah, it's uh, totally changed mindset over the years. They've always said, I've probably put more miles myself than anybody else. Because I started literally in 1985 was my first trip to Florida. Right. And uh, I've probably put more miles than anybody over these years just doing back and forth. So the last four years living in Tennessee and cutting that road time down a lot, man, it's been a, just a real blessing to me. Yeah, let's talk about that real quick. So just the last, like you mentioned, last couple of years, you moved east of the Mississippi. You know, when I moved out here to Del Rio uh, in South Texas from Virginia, you know, I was kind of looking for more of like a 12-month fishery type deal and guiding and some different things. And what drew you to East Tennessee? see specifically that Watts Bar Lake area that you're living in? Well, we had a bass fest out on Chickamauga and uh, we were camping at the time. My, my wife and son and I traveled for four years before he got school age and just traveled in our motorhome and basically saw everywhere in the country. And really, I just saw Tennessee as a good central location. I could go north 12 hours max. I could go south to Florida 10 hours. You know, it's just really centrally located. I love Lake Chickamauga, but I really liked Watts Bar Lake, the next lake up. So literally, I, I live 15 minutes from Chickamauga. I live on Watts Bar Lake. So when it all came up, my wife said, hey, I want to move back east somewhere. I'm like, well, I'll move, but I'm going to live on a lake. So that's how we ended up on Watts Bar. And it's just a central location for us. And it's real quiet. You know, that little Ray County that I live in, it's a little tiny county you know andy morgan and wesley Strader, michael neal a bunch of top pros live there just because the fishery is available in that area so it's been a nice move and i think we're in the right place right now real quick you speak about chickamauga of course you think of the other tva lakes you know through that system watts bar probably gets the least amount of attention how's the fishing over there on that pond well, what's happened about 10 years ago, they started putting the Florida bass in Chickamauga and totally changed the environment in the lake. They went from a dink lake to basically, you know, toads. And so about five or six years ago, they started the same program in Watts Bar. Watts Bar is a bigger lake than Chickamauga, actually has more grass in some areas, just a lot more variety of areas in Watts Bar. So, you know, Wesley Strader, some of these guys that have seen this fishery really predict Watts Bar in the next three to four or five years to really outproduce Chickamauga eventually. Right now, it's not known for that, but you know how these programs change things. And man, it, you know, they had two nine-pound smallmouths caught out of Waspar last year. I mean, it's got big fish. It doesn't have the big largemouth yet, but I think that's all coming. That sounds exciting. I like yeah. that nine-pound smallies. That's sick. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's tremendous. And while we're kind of on the inside scoop, John, you know, Kurt has told me that you've got, uh, well, let's just say some amazing stories. So (laughs) I want the inside scoop. I'm going to go right for the jugular here. But what's the best story you could hold over an angler's head to, you know, really maybe uh, hold him ransom or. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we better not. Uh, We we better stay on track. But I, I am very interested in the lure of how many boats you've won in your career. I guess, first off, how did you rack up so many? And then secondly, how many is it really if you have to count? What's the real number? Well, we I counted before I left out west, and it was 31 bass boats. And basically, it was all in the mostly 90s, early 2000s. Um, really, the 90s out west was the glory time for out west. We had probably four circuits, uh, and three of them gave boats every tournament. And those range from anywhere out to New Mexico all the way up to Washington State. So I was pretty much the only guy that was just full-time back then. And I mean, I, I didn't care if it was in Elephant Butte, New Mexico, or it was on the Columbia River. I was at the big tournaments, and that's all I did. I fished for money, and that's what money was. They were all first-place boats. They never gave much cash back then, but yeah, it was always boats. So it was all, that was always how many boats you want, how many boats you want. So that sort of died out about 2000, really changed everything out there. And now they don't really have much to fish out there. So that's one other reason I moved from out west. You literally can't make a living like I used to out there the way it is right now. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm glad we got to count, though, 31, man. You you hear so many numbers, and you know how it is. You know, it's like you catch a six-pounder, and, and by the end of the next month, after you talk to all your buddies, somebody's asking you how you caught that nine-pounder, you know? <laughs> I also had seven trucks and two cars, so, I mean, sometimes guys add that in there, but I, it was right, 31 right. boats, you know, is what it was back in the day. That is so awesome. All right, of the hundreds of events and trails that you fish, and, and you, we started to go into this right now, I got to mention real quick, I, I was seeing some stuff on Facebook. John, the One Bass US Open is basically sold out for 2020 already. And the other events that they've got going on out there, the um, the One Bass California Open and the Arizona Open, they're in the double digits over their initial field projection. Crazy what's going on out there, isn't it? Well, and it traces back to the lack of big tournaments out there. The US Open for the last 40 years has been the only tournament out there that had any national credibility. And so that keeps going. Guys, you sort of focus on that. Now, you know, 99% of the guys that fish tournaments out there all have a full-time job and they fish a couple big tournaments a year. So those other California Opens and Arizona Open sort of fit in good for those guys. They can pop those in or maybe a FLW series out there. Those are the next biggest things out there. But, uh, yeah, it's there's not a lot to fish for those guys, so they just really put all their eggs in one basket. And that U.S. Open just got a name that, you know, you see the Aaron Martins and guys, Rick Clun, guys come from the east to fish it, and that's really the draw. Those guys want to just come and fish against those guys and have a good time. It's really a fun tournament, and it's more enjoyable probably than almost any tournament I fish. But, uh, you know, it still has some major prizes with 100000 plus a boat for first place. But, man, it's a, a legendary tournament in the, in the U.S., and, and that's the only thing the West had to hang its hat on. You know, that's the key. Right, right. So the 31 boats, the several trucks, seven, eight, nine trucks, you've won out there. Which one means the most? And the Elite Series. You won an Elite Series at Toledo Bend. The resume is ridiculous, but... John Murray looks at his shelf 
which one do his eyes peak to the first? <laughs> yeah, that's a real simple one. I, you know, I, I grew up wanting to win the U.S. Open when I was a young kid. Uh, we didn't really care about the Bassmaster Classic because back in the day, U.S. Open paid more than the Bassmaster Classic. So growing up as a Western kid, I wanted to win the U.S. Open. And when I was in my 20s, I got second and third back to back and just I really thought I was going to win it. And I never did. And then so it took me until my 30s. I finally won it in 1997. And uh, I'd actually moved to Lake Mead with the sole purpose to win the U.S. Open. So I lived up on the lake, and basically the first year I lived there, I won the U.S. Open, and and I won Big Fish, I won the boat, I won everything. And that was by far the best moment for me. That's like childhood dreams come true. So uh, that's an easy one for me. U.S. Open 1997, that was it. Sweet, good stuff, man. Great memories. John, we're going to take a short break. Power pole down here. Bass Education, don't go away. We'll be right back with more from John Murray. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio, presented by MegaWear Keelguard, returns with Major League Fishing Angler John Murray and the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high-performance marine products. For oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. John, love talking about all those things. In the last segment, it's, it's always fun to kind of reminisce a little bit, but let's quickly break down some winter fishing. Lots of people casting, trying to catch a bass this time of year. Chat a little bit more about your new home lake there at Watts Bar. When you look at Watts Bar, you told us a little bit about some of the dynamics that are changing there, but just the overall fishery, what type is it when you look at winter fishing, if you could identify, you know, available cover type of fishery that lead you to the process of how to begin attacking the lake. And want to really kind of break this down so that folks can look at any lake around their region of the country and kind of understand how you're breaking down the type of fishery, the available cover, and then how that's going to relate to you attacking you know to go catch some bass this time of year well the first thing about watts bar is a typical tva tennessee valley authority reservoir so it's got its major key component is the flow of the tennessee river depending on the dams and their flow that's the big key so it's a little different some of the highland reservoirs but uh any of the tva lakes are pretty much the same now the beauty of watts bar it has all three species it's got the large mouth it's got small mouths and it's got a pretty good group of kooza spots some big spotted bass too so the key of the winter it's really fun they put that lake four feet down it's got winter pool like most tva lakes other than gunnersville and so you can learn the banks you know you can see what the bank content is really easily that time of year and you can almost just sort of pick what do i want to fish do i want to catch a large mouth well i'm going to get in the back little pockets i'm going to get totally out of the current anything sheltered from any currents way back into things i'm going to look for hard cover i'm going to look for wood or rock or straight up and down ledges or backs of creek channels and those large mouths will be there well then well let's say i want to go catch a five pound smallmouth. well now i'm going to go totally current related or just off current related it's either going to be with smallmouth. they're either going to be on the bluff 
solid rock or they're going to be on the pea gravel. As this winter sort of goes, I think uh, it really depends on the crawdad populations and, and the shad populations, you know, but they'll always be more current related. So it'll be closer to the main lake or even out in main current for those smallmouths. And nice. the spots are sort of fun. You can catch the spots pretty much doing either. They tend to be more towards the smallmouths, but you can catch big spots fishing for largemouths with spinnerbaits. So, huh. you know, the baits really can, you know, depends on the year. You know, the first year I lived there was very warm. Fish stayed up a lot. Uh, last year we had a huge shad spawn, so shad baits weren't the thing to throw because there was dead shad laying everywhere and falling. So really, every year is a little different. But yeah, you can always sort of predict the areas you're going to catch them. You know, if you're just going to go out the next couple days in, in the winter on lots bars, I just take a little finesse swim bait, uh, you know, a quarter ounce little swim bait. And you can throw it in a foot of water and reel it up to 20 or 30 feet, just real slow, just a little kitech, a little finessing, and you're going to catch something. You're going to catch maybe, you know, a 30-pound striper, but you're going to catch something when you throw that little spoon bait <laughs> in the winter. And that's a fun way to fish. Now, obviously, jerk baits are good, baits are good, you know, depending on the weather. But, man, there's just a lot of options. And I think really boils down to like any other place in the winter. Fine. The food, the bass will be real close. Well, John, you bring up a lot of good points there. And being from Arizona and fishing the West Coast, there's, you know, kind of the finesse angler and then there's the power fishing angler particularly big baits like swim baits, but where have you found your comfort zone and where do you seem to fall in when beginning your search for bass? Well, I tend to be more on the finesse side. I tend to look for bites. You know, fishing Major League Fishing right now and the Bass Pro Tour, bites are most important. I'm not trying to catch an eight pounder. I'm not trying to catch a seven pounder. That'd be fine. But no, I'm trying to go bite. So I probably lean more towards the finesse side. Now, you know, a chatterbait, a spinnerbait, a crankbait, those are our mainstays to locate fish. But I'm pretty quick to get off those and sort of find how many are in the area with finesse techniques, drop shot and Ned rigs, uh, shaky heads, all that kind of stuff. So I think I sometimes go to finesse too fast. Maybe I don't push the power fishing long enough sometimes, but it's just a different kind of fishing when you're fishing the major league style with counting bites. I love throwing a big swim bait. I've had some tremendous days on it, but it's just not part of my arsenal tournament fishing on the Bass Pro Tour. It might be a good way to locate them, but you just you don't want to go through that heartbreak when you throw a giant swim bait down on some of those lakes and you know have five bites and boat one of them so right, i'd right. probably go towards the finesse side <laughs> yeah i remember uh i think it was lake havasu back in uh 13 or 14 and you were attacking that uh clear water impoundment kind of early spring with a big swim bait and had a you know some giant fish there and 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 caught a lot of fish you know you were calling through a lot of fish in in some of those tournaments do you feel like sometimes going from that kind of power fishing mode into that finesse mode that there's a maybe a product or or a strategy that really hasn't been developed yet that'll work well in the bbt with catching a little bit better quality fish but still the numbers yeah and, and that's really a product of days of, of the environment of the days that you're out there but there's certain uh -huh. days on chickamauga when you can throw a senko and a drop shot and a worm and a finesse and not catch hardly anything right. and throw it a, a nine inch swim bait a big s wave or something and get 20 bites on it because they just are keying on the big gizzard shad. So, yeah, there are days, and I haven't been in a Bass Pro Tour event 
currently through it, but I've definitely seen days, man, you don't want to throw anything little. That's not right. going to work. You right. throw the biggest bait you can and get as many in the boat as you can. And, uh, you know, I think that's the product of the gizzard shad and the hickory shad, the bigger baits that we have. I know the baby Asian carp are becoming a huge food source on some of the lakes like Kentucky Lake, and it's the same thing. The bigger baits are catching them. The fish don't even look at the little baits right now because they know that's where they're going to get their meals. So, yeah, there's definitely going to be some times when the big Bubba guy just, just destroys everybody. And, sure. and the, the finesse guys are going to be standing there looking at each other. <laughs> I love, you know, that's that's the great thing about this game. You kind of never really know from week to week and pattern to pattern, lake to lake, you know, really what's going to set up to be most successful. Kind of leads me into my next question. What do you believe makes an angler successful? Is it the way they attack a lake to break down fish behavior, you know, the nuances to change around the get on the bite or the most predominant bite maybe you know during that week event or that time period or maybe is it something that's more difficult to grasp you know you see some guys like Jordan Lee and and some of these guys you know having success and and they're young they don't have quite as much experience what do you feel like as far as what's going to make an angler most successful as far as breaking down a lake and the fish behavior you know my my whole thing has been uh, confidence I heard that when I was a kid Roland Martin you got to have confidence and I think that's the number one thing if you do something with confidence you're going to be way better off you know doing the right thing not fully confident in it uh, that's probably not the way to go and i think these young guys have open minds you know i go to gunnerville lake and i just count like half the lake and this is no good and that's never worked and these guys don't have that they just go out there and go man what's happening here and they'll you know they got 35 rods out on the deck and they, just, they don't care what bait they throw. They're just going to throw something to catch a fish. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't like throwing that, that rattle trap because I lose too many fish on it. Or, you know, I have preconceived ideas. The guys that are older, you know, well, that's never worked before. That's the big thing that's got me. Well, that spot's never been good. Well, now it is. And you never even looked at it. So I think that's the biggest thing, the open mind and then fishing with confidence, confidence in all the baits. You know, these guys can learn how to fish all these baits. No one has to show them. They can learn on YouTube and be out there fishing and do all that. There's enough information out there that they can catch up confidence-wise to the older guys just because they go out and put the work in. So I think those are the factors for me that I see. And I know when I fish my home lake, I'm not from there. The tournaments I've done well there, I'm fishing guys like, well, that never works here. I'm like, well, it's working now. So, I mean, yeah, I think an open mind and confidence are, are the two big factors tournament fishing right now. So, John, you speak of the younger anglers and having really the open mind and no preconceived ideas. How does the kind of the financial aspect you know, play into that. Do you think it with with some of the younger anglers just coming out of whether it's high school or college and not having per se maybe a family started yet and not the I guess monthly requirements, you know, dollar wise, does that also free up some mental bandwidth to be able to go out there and perform like they have been? Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, you have the freedom. You're just fishing for yourself. And you know, if you you go bust, it's no big deal. You'll you'll make more next month or you know, you'll figure it out. Family commitments and, you know, houses kids and cars and trucks and payments and the beauty of the Bass Pro Tour is not having entries. We don't have to also come up with 50 grand at the beginning of the year. So that takes a little bit off the plate. But I, I've seen some of these young kids, they come up, they work their butt off, they're really good fishermen and it, they save forever, you know, to get just a decent boat and truck and it's a lot of money. And then they get hit with $50,000 entry fees and, you know, in a year or two, they're off the tour. So right. I think the future of fishing, the top level, that no entry fee level's got to be there so these guys can get there. And then once they're there, 
they can show what they really have. I've always advocated for it because, yeah, right now, if you're not from the right kind of background, I mean, it's hard to get really good or stay in bass fishing very long because of the expense right now. Yeah, I remember when I first started the Elite Series back in 2006, when you looked at the Elite Series, even, you know, before all these changes the last couple of years, there was only like 40% of the anglers still fishing when it originally started. And there was no relegation, you know, for the first eight or nine years. There was nobody that, that was moved out of the tour. So it was just the fact that it was very, very difficult to financially stay involved in the game just because of the the expense. So uh, I couldn't agree with you more. I think a lot of people that haven't taken that step or or have success, like, like you've had success, they don't see and understand both sides of it and it's an important aspect of uh you know just how the game progresses and how it is today on the bass pro tour not to take anything away from the feeder system with the pro circuit with flw or the elite series with bass all great platforms but uh certainly you know having that no entry fee seems more of the uh, future of what needs to happen to have the best anglers in the best spot because that seems like we're financially it's going to work out the best (laughs) all right guys we're going to move in and dive into the listener question segment of our show this segment is presented by nitro performance bass boats john this question comes in from scott duck a great question here in my opinion on side scan and uh, this is what scott wants to know my question is about using side scan. I thought I understood the distance I was shooting when I set my range, but after watching some videos, I'm questioning myself. So to hear it described in layman's terms, when I set my range as an example to a hundred feet, I'm seeing a hundred full feet laterally, or does the depth of the water affect the range I can actually see? In other words, if I'm sitting in 60 foot of water, I set my range at a hundred, I'm going to see the same distance off to the side if he was in the same water depth as say a hundred? Well, that's a pretty loaded question. And, and the biggest <laughs> thing I would, first thing I would say is there's three major players in side scan, you know, with Hollingbird, Lawrence and, and Garmin. And I'm Garmin, so my perspective is from what I've heard at Garmin. Sure. Uh, Garmin has a thousand different transducers. You know, they make more stuff for saltwater than they do freshwater. But I was told if you have a very high frequency transducer, which is made for freshwater and, you know, their transducers, you know, 100 feet shallow to a lot of places for Garmin. If you're using that high frequency transducer that's made for shallow water and freshwater, yeah, you're getting a pretty good whatever your scale is. Um, you're getting it even if you're in 60 feet or 100 feet. Now, 99% of the time when I'm scanning, I'm probably 50 feet or shallower. And I've won tournaments 125 feet deep, but side scanning, I'm usually those depths. And you're getting a real accurate presentation of depth on your range with that super high frequency transducer. So you should feel pretty confident in your scanning that. And that's one thing you really got to play. My first thing when I get my side scan is I go to a dam or I go to somewhere that I can see what the features are. And then I run by it slowly at different depths and different distances and just see how it changes as I move out. So find a place that you can see what you're looking at and just test it for yourself. And I think you'll find this pretty accurate representation. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, that's a great tip to go out there 
there and actually look at something, you kind of understand what you're going to see that way. When you're relating that to objects you find or you didn't know were there, you kind of have a better scale of representation. That's that's an awesome tip right there. Well, John, thanks for answering that question. And Scott, uh, as always, thanks for tuning Kurt and I in and uh, great thought process and certainly appreciate you sending in that question to be answered on the show. One more thing, though, that we need from you is that is to simply click on BassEdge.com, the Claim Your Prize tab. Let us know that you heard John answer your question on episode 319, and uh, we will get that Bass Edge gift sent directly to you. And as a continued reminder, Bass Edge listeners, send in your questions to the show via our website, BassEdge.com, to have another winning shot at a gift from Bass Edge Radio. You can also send in those questions to our email, support at BassEdge.com, or leave a comment on our social pages, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Well, John, it's been uh, fun to have you on the show today. Any closing thoughts for Bass Edge Nation as we get ready to uh, move into the last segment here? Well, no, I, I just really appreciate the time on there. and I, I will talk bass fishing anywhere, anytime. <laughs> so anybody out there, you see me, you want to come talk bass fishing, you look me up. I'm a guide on Watts Bar Lake. Now I'm a captain. So if you want to get some tips on Watts Bar Lake, Tennessee, get on my uh, website, johnmurrayfishing.com, and, and I'll be there. We'll go talk fishing and go catch some. Yeah, go fish with a legend, man. That would be so awesome. John, thanks for taking time with us today to be on the show. We'll look forward to seeing you at another industry function soon, I'm sure. Bass Edge Nation, y'all, stay tuned. We'll be right back. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWare KeelGuard, SkegGuard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare KeelGuard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Kurt, it's hard to believe that we have not had John Murray on the episode of Bass Edge previously, but, uh, you know, kind of shame on us because as his resume shows, the dude is salty. Yeah, salt and pepper, you know, the whole nine yards. He's got it all, man. I was actually thinking the exact same thing as we were coming into uh, our closing segment here. I cannot believe we haven't had him on the program. But I want to, as always, kind of reach back into the interview and pull out some of the uh, details I think were crazy good that John brought to the table for us. And when he was talking about Watts Bar, he was talking about, you know, winter fishing. Really key there, he was mentioning how how he likes to go out of the current to really target the largemouth. Largemouth, cold water, current, 
you don't want it. <laughs> so that was a key deal right there. And, then, and that was something, you know, I kind of extracted from the interview and then going back into just Watts bar in general and the current oriented fashion of the smallmouth. you know, they like the cooler water. They're more active in the winter time and in that cooler water. So they want to be more current oriented. So again, just the opposite from the large mouth. And then he talked about the spots kind of in a variation, you know, some of them in the current, some of them out, but you know, probably still on break lines and, and doing more, you know, ambushing rather than really concerned with the current orientation. So we can take that on any kind of river system, moving water situation. Bass Edge Nation can take those tips and we can all take those tips of the fundamental aspects of wintertime fishing to put yourself around and in position to have more success on the lake over the next several months. Yeah, good stuff there and a great rehash on pulling those those tidbits out of there. John is obviously, as we mentioned, a fantastic angler and um, really appreciate having him on this episode, 319 January 1st. But that is a wrap, Kurt. We've completed yeah. the first episode of 2020. So for Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin and the rest of the Bass Edge crew. We wish everybody a happy new year and certainly appreciate everybody riding along with us as we uh, tackle the next 23 guests that will be appearing on Bass Edge <laughs> Radio. So Love it. be sure to follow us on all of our social media and until next time which will be january 15th we uh look forward to seeing you guys then so long everybody the edge is presented by megaware keel guard for more information on bass edge or to shop at the bass edge online store visit bassedge.com and be sure to join kurt dove and aaron martin right here on another episode of the edge brought to you in part by nitro boats lucas oil protecttheharvest.com Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.